Welcome to the Don Pravda and Erica Gray Show. The Twist. Welcome to the Twist News. I'm Erica Gray. And I'm Don Pravda. Welcome. Today we're going to be talking about Europe, the European Union, wanting to take up the torch in the Israel-Palestinian issue and advocating for a two-state solution. And the European Union issued a statement from Joseph Burrell concerning the latest developments, and they referenced the Abaqua communique. And Don, they're basically backing the Arab Peace Initiative, which is a proposal or a past proposal to go back to the pre-1967 lines before the 1967 war. And this meeting that took place in Jordan concerning the holy sites, they're hoping to build upon it for a two-state solution. And it looks like the EU is pretty hardcore two-state solution. What's your thoughts? Well, of course, uh, I beg to differ. Uh, it's it's outrageous to even consider that. Uh, 67 was a glorious time for the state of Israel. They won some territory. Who gives back territory that they have won in a conflict or a war? And Israel being the tiny country it is, has made this land very significant. And it's we have new citizens in, in this territory, and the areas are actually thriving. And already there's been a lot of compromises, including, of course, the Gaza and Judea and Samaria, which is, a, I think, an outrageous mistake. And let's curtail some future mistakes and not go back to foolishness. Here's what doesn't make sense. The EU has very good trade relations with Israel. Not only that, Israel is in on the European Union's horizon programs. This is where the EU funds science and technological programs. That's a huge, huge program. And Israel's part of that. And that's spearheaded by the commission. And you also have Israel, which meets the Copenhagen criteria. And that's criteria for membership, both economic and democratic standards that Israel meets. But the trade relations are pretty significant and the EU relies on Israel. So now it coming out for a two-state solution doesn't make any sense because it's going to shoot that relationship in the foot. It's going to shoot the economic prosperity from those trade relations, from Israel's participation and horizon in the foot when you reduce the land. But not only are you reducing the land, you're gonna change the dynamics and you're gonna give more input in just a second, but you're also gonna be dividing it with what essentially is a banana republic that you have to fund 
where the other is eighth in the world and you're gonna chop that down. So from an economic perspective, it doesn't make any sense that the European Union would follow this policy and not be instead endorsing a one-state solution with maybe a state like the United States and the Arab state becomes a state like California's a state. And maybe there's opt-out clauses just like the EU had for the UK because there's certain religious beliefs that would prevent the uh, Palestinians from adopting some e, um, excuse me, some Israeli law. And that seems to make much more sense and then maybe throw money at the Palestinians to better themselves and to grow as a state within the state, but not to state. This is like archaic. Okay, sorry, I said my piece now, Don. I could also add from perspective, what is one of Israel's biggest industries, perhaps by number one or two, it's called tourism. It's people who are flying in from the four corners of the world to see this little place, and they're going to be intimidated if this is not Israel anymore, and it's sort of a South Israel, a North Israel, or it's called a Palestinian state. People are flying in from the four corners of the earth, from different religions and churches and synagogues and mosques to see Israel. Don, you have a really good point about the tourism how the tourism will be affected. I mean, it doesn't make sense. And what's interesting is, according to a report that I read from a uh, College of Bruges student, and this was his thesis, and it was on the Middle East, it was actually an excellent piece. He talked about how the European Union was bullying Israel, because everybody bullies Israel to get them to do what they want. There's no recognition of Israeli sovereignty. But basically, they were bullying Israel. But despite the bullying and saying that they would pull some of these agreements, the agreements actually deepened. Deepened, on. That's actually pretty shocking. But that's what happens when your nation now is eighth in the world, when it's the startup nation, and it's producing so much talent. So from a geoeconomic perspective, a two-state solution doesn't make sense between Israel and the European Union. And the other piece that's also interesting is that in the agreement that we just read, the new agenda for the Mediterranean, the EU states that it wants to fight anti-Semitism. Yet, and, and it is against Hamas. I mean, it did take a stand. It did take a stand because of the lack of recognition of Israel. But even this whole movement with the Palestinian state is really about a Palestinian state to replace the state of Israel because they don't recognize the state. It's not just Hamas. Say Hamas, Hezbollah, you could say uh, friends of Arab countries. You can use all these expressions, but ultimately what is the goal of these different organizations. And they have stated it, including the PLO, Arafat's organization, Mr. Arafat from Egypt. And what is the goal? The destruction of Jewish Israel. Yes. And so what ends up happening is that this legislation is like a smoke screen. It becomes a smoke screen on the part of the Arabs. It's almost a front. It's we read a, about that in... It's on a Darshan Leitner, and we say in America, Esquire, international attorney. Yes. And we talked about it in her book, or we when we interviewed her, but, but I read in her book 
a harpoon that at the end of the day, it was all about greed and that these leaders would be living these lives that were considered against the faith, their faith, while promoting the faith. So sometimes, and that's what happens, and we've gone into that a bit with the Ukraine war, you know, what the leaders state, but what the real aims are can be two different things. And what is mind boggling to me is that you would have world leaders who should know these details that the Palestinians who were stating they wanted peace really didn't want peace. Like, why does, why does many in, why do many in Israel know that, but yet the State Department doesn't understand it and other governments don't seem to understand it. And they're all pursuing this feel good policy. And it's almost like they want the brownie points. Like everybody wants to say, we're the entity, the empire that brought a resolution to this conflict. We are the peacemakers. We are the one, we are the doves. We are the run, the people who bring resolution together, but it is more like a tactic really than a peace solution. It really doesn't make much sense at all and it's just a headline for the day. Well, they also talk about how it would overflow. The Israeli-Palestinian issue seems to be pretty confined to the Israelis and Palestinians, and I know that there's terrorist attacks that do overflow into various countries, attacking the individuals within that, uh, one defending the other. But it also seems to me that this is an issue of Israeli sovereignty, and that Israeli sovereignty is not being recognized. And instead, you have the United States wanting to tell Israel what to do, and now you have the European Union. And then a lot of money is thrown, a lot of money. I mean, the United States does that. Well, you know, we're giving you this amount of dollars, and this is now what we expect. So that doesn't seem like it's a recognition of Israeli sovereignty and like there's just more involved here. It, it's just a, it's really a wrecking ball. We don't believe it will work. That's the bottom line. I think the other, dist- the other disturbing piece about this is not only is the EU taking a stand for a two-state solution, but going back to the pre-67 borders, I mean, that's the, was the Arab initiative, basically, or the Arab, that was the what they wanted. And then this whole thing was never even agreed. So why are they even going back there to that? Well, why don't they uh, put up signs all over Egypt with Nasser? This is what he wanted. And this is a, just a different time. This is a different era in history. And it does not make any sense. And all it takes, by the way, is one person who sees opportunity who wants to be a leader, flashes money, and they become a kind of a quasi-dictator of the Middle East, and the others follow. It's very dangerous times. Well, the other piece about this is that the Palestinians being in the land. I mean, the United States, when we first came, or the United States roots, the Indians were here, 
Well, the Indians didn't get a partition. There wasn't a division of the United States into two so that the Indians can have their land because they, let's face it, they were here first. And they were here for many, many years. So this fact that the Palestinians need a state, and I understand that it's all based on UN resolution and all these things that aren't necessarily international law, but called international law. But the reality is that Israel is not being treated as a sovereign nation. This dividing the country into two is also unprecedented in history. Here's another thing. All this talk of the plight of the Palestinians. Well, what's wrong with the Palestinians having their own state within the state of Israel and having it like a federation like the United States? And they can be virtual, so they don't have to be in one particular territory. They would just sign up as a citizen to the Arab state. So it could be a virtual state. And I believe that virtual is now in our vernacular and there's many different things that can be virtual. And there have been products that are sold even virtually. So why can't you have a virtual state, a virtual state that has opt-outs of legislation modeled on the EU treaties. When the UK was a member, there were various opt-outs. Denmark has an opt-out. And why not have opt-outs? Why, why can't they just live within the state of Israel? And I think people are missing that piece of the argument. And what happens is they're listening to the media so much, Don, that they're now saying, well, they need their own state. They need their own state. Well, why can't they live happy within Israel if... Why? Because they don't want Israel. No. But but the, but actually, right. there are citizens that are a part a- of Israel, are and they're happy to be in there. Israel. Yes, they are going to university. They're getting PhDs. They have businesses, and and by the way, more Arabs are now serving in the military than previously. Of course, we've always had the Druze, who have been the Israeli army, but more mm-hmm. Arabs are part of military. There is. There is friendship. You just can't say everybody hates each other. People want to prosper. They want to grow and have families and enjoy life. In my opinion, they are. And obviously there's political tension, but the portrayal in the press is inaccurate. Yes, it is, because there's Arabs that are very happy to be there. It's just this faction, and the media is just sometimes so damaging because it presents a picture that is so inaccurate that, again, we discovered uh, in part by reading Harpoon, Tasha's book, but we already knew that. We knew that from other sources as well. So that's what we're trying to relay on this channel. So in conclusion, Europe is trying to take up the torch now and is coming very much for a two-state that doesn't even make sense from a geo-economic perspective, from its current agreement with Israel, from its current association agreements. Israel is in the Horizon programs. And I believe that if it could even come to pass... It would be Europe shooting itself in the foot policy, Mm. and it would be knocking down this nation that has so much that it's contributing to Europe's economy at this time. It's just shoot yourself in the foot policy, kind of like European sanctions and U.S. sanctions. Your final words, Don. Uh, Israel doesn't need to be told from foreign powers what to do 
They have their own country. They have their own traditions. We have Jewish people, by the way, from all over the world. It's not just one group. It's many groups. It's many ways of thinking. It's a very proud country, and it doesn't need to be hammered by foreign powers. That's right, Don. You said it. It doesn't. It needs to be making decisions for its own nation to stop being bullied by other nations who really want to take Israel by the horns and tell Israel what to do. And it seems to be this prize for other nations that they can come in and provide this resolution. We're in a different time now. We're in a different geopolitical lineup. The world of yesterday doesn't function. Those solutions are not the same for the solutions today. And the solution is Israel, one state, sovereign over its land, and for the nations to benefit through trade with this nation and to help resolve the issues in a more innovative way, such as a one-state solution. Your final words, Don. Outstanding. That makes sense to me. And please continue to watch our show. We're filled with cutting-edge ideas, special guests, and thank you for your time, and thank you for listening to us. And be sure to subscribe to our channel for more. time for more from Don Provder and Erica Gray for their twist on world news.